Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the word of God bless you today. Well, we are in the midst of our uh, sermon series on the book of Revelation, and we are nearing the end. We just have two more weeks uh, that we get to be in John's Revelation. I was telling the Sunday school class, I'm a little bummed because there is actually 21 chapters of Revelation, and we did this in seven weeks, so there's a lot that we we missed. So I think what we should just do is, is go back to the beginning, do one chapter a week for the next 21 weeks. Will that be... A little too much revelation? Probably, I think so. So we're going to wrap it up in a couple weeks. But uh, I do just want you to know there's several chapters in there that we are going to miss. But I invite you to to read through them. Again, remember, this is a book that wasn't really designed to be set and read alone in a devotion. It's really a performance piece. Um, But it's still, there's so much we're going to miss there. Uh, I encourage you to to maybe uh, read through some of the rest of it. Uh, And then we're going to jump ahead next week to uh, the end of Revelation. So John, you know, he is the revelator. John of Patmos, he was a Christian evangelist. He's living in exile on the Mediterranean island of Patmos. His was a time in which Christianity, as well as some other religions, was being ruthlessly persecuted by the Roman Empire, this vast and powerful empire. And at John's time, it was likely that the emperor was a guy named Nero. And St. John, he knew this persecution firsthand. Recently, I found out some scholars have suggested that the persecution that Christians experienced in the Roman Empire, it wasn't so much that the, the emperors themselves were, were, were issuing these edicts or decrees that say, you know, uh, I'm going to round up the Christians and persecute them. It was a lot of the Roman citizens themselves. It was kind of mob justice or injustice, we might say that uh, was where most of the violence was was happening. Christians died uh, in various ways in in this time. Um, If you were lucky, the lucky ones, it was quick, a beheading. Others, it was a crucifixion like Jesus. Jesus suffered the death that a lot of other Christians suffered. If someone confessed to being a Christian, they were likely to be condemned to being publicly mauled to death by lions or leopards or boars. In some areas of this empire, it was a huge empire. Some areas that were more accommodating to Christians, they they turn a blind eye. It wasn't a big deal. In other areas, it was a very big deal. For the first 300 years of Christianity... To follow Jesus was to risk everything. From hard labor, imprisonment, exile, to excruciating, humiliating death. 
It's a threat to life and to family that lay around every corner. So great were the stakes of believing in Jesus. I do not think that we can truly, our minds cannot truly comprehend this situation. It is, and I mean this, it, it is a miracle that the Christian faith survived these years, these first three centuries. We are here today because these sisters and brothers persevered in faith against great odds. They believed that this news was so good that it was worth the risk to continue to follow Jesus, to raise their children to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. The alternative that they had was to worship the Roman Empire, and to them that was no alternative at all. So for John of Patmos and his congregation, this is what was at stake. He, he had several congregations. John was one of the lucky ones to simply be exiled to maybe a, a lovely Mediterranean isle. I don't think it was a good time. But he was one of the lucky ones to be simply separated from the churches that he was called to serve. But from there, this, this pastor, this evangelist, he could only imagine what fresh horror his congregants were experiencing where they were. It was on the Lord's day that he was in the spirit, he said. He was, he was praying for them. He was hoping for them. He was, he was fearing for them. I think he was naming them in his mind before God. He was thinking of those that he had baptized. He, he was wondering what was going on with them. And that's when quite spectacularly, he found himself transported into the heavenly realm of angels and lions and elders on thrones and mythical flying creatures with many eyes all around them and a seven-eyed, seven-horned lamb. And it was there that he was told to write down everything that he saw and to send it to those churches, send it to his churches, the ones that he held deeply in his heart to tell them what he saw. As St. John begins this book, he tells us that, that he was promised that for whoever read this and whoever heard it, it would be a blessing to them. Here we are, millennia later, reading it, hearing it, receiving it as a blessing. John was given this vision to share with people who were suffering, who, who didn't know what monsters lurked around the next corner. Is it a new emperor? Will he be better or worse? Is, is there a mob that's waiting? Which neighbors are going to turn on me? And then St. John believed that this vision would come as welcomed news as a blessing to those who were in this experience, would be something that would give them hope. So with this expectation for us today, let us listen again for the word of God from Revelation 12. So a great portent opened in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet, on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pangs in the agony of giving birth. And then another portent appeared in heaven. 
a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars in heaven and threw them to earth. That's how big this dragon was. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all of the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was snatched away and taken to God and to his throne. And the woman, she fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God so that there she can be nourished for 1,260 days. Just so you know, that means that the baby was spared, taken into heaven at the last moment. But a war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought against that dragon. The dragon and his angels, they fought back. But they were defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Poetry, y'all. Poetry. Then... From the mouth of the serpent poured water like a river after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth, the earth itself, the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon was angry with the woman. And he went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the sand of the seashore. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The earth itself opened up. Love that image. You know, John had seen before horsemen of the apocalypse. He had seen the havoc that they wrecked on earth. He had heard the four angels blow their horns and saw a third of the earth consumed by various wars and storms and flaming mountains. All hell is breaking loose 
But it was a hell that many Christians could recognize in some way, in their own way. They knew these horrors. In St. John's Revelation, he saw the suffering of the earth for humans and for animals and for plants. All that God had made and declared good was under attack. And then the dragon emerged. St. John, he would, have heard, he would have grown up hearing stories about the red dragon in the Hebrew Bible. See, the prophet Ezekiel, he called Pharaoh the great dragon of lies. Of course, Pharaoh, you remember, was the mighty ruler of Egypt that had held the Hebrews captive for 400 years. And then, like an enraged dragon, he pursued the fleeing Hebrews into the desert. And then God saved them by parting the Red Sea and washing away the dragon of lies. Prophet Isaiah, he prophesied to the people of God suffering under their own ruthless regime, the, the, experiencing the captivity of the Babylonian Empire. So Isaiah comforted his people, saying, On the day that the Lord, with his cruel and great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will kill the dragon that is in the sea. For Isaiah, the dragon represented the political forces that persecuted the people of God. The dragon was a fierce source of suffering that seemed unbeatable to a people beat down and hopeless. And then St. John and his congregations faced their own dragon, the Roman Empire, and more troubling, their own neighbors fellow citizens who had grown a hate in their heart for them. It was the dragon who crucified their Lord on the cross, the dragon who now tormented those simply committed to living as disciples of Jesus, who were so bold to believe that God may heal the world and even this very empire through their commitment to love and live as Jesus. They were those who took seriously Jesus' sermon that Eric read for us today from the gospel. They believed what he said, to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who abuse you. To those first Christians, those words weren't just a mantra for a kindergarten class. They aren't just the golden rule. They aren't a recipe for some sort of successful venture in life. Those were the words that were a call to action, to face down the dragon, even if that dragon was in the heart of their own neighbor or even in their own heart, and to engage not with a mutual hate, but with a matchless love. That was their call. To engage not with a mutual hate, but a matchless love. This is how God has chosen to conquer evil, to, to heal the world, to ask us, the church, to play by a separate rule book. One that outflanks hatred with grace. See, Jesus preached to those who faced real persecution, and he told them to engage hate with love. 
It was a fairly common practice among early cartographers, people who make maps, that when they were drawing areas that were that might be dangerous or, or unexplored, they would draw pictures of dragons on those areas. There's a globe dating to 1504, where on the far edge of the Asian continent, it says, Hic sunt dragonus. Here are dragons. I want to say, because we are, are, are experiencing Celtic music in worship too, that, that for the Celts, dragons were a big part of their own mythology, but they were a good thing. Dragons uh, often defended uh, the gate to a community, and it wasn't until Christians came uh, with these, these specific stories that the, the Celtic myth began to change about dragons, and then you begin to see knights who do battle with dragons. Uh, but uh, if you look, if you Google uh, Celtic dragon tattoos, there's some great uh, uh, images of, of, uh, of Celtic's view of dragons before the influence of Christianity. But, but by this time, by the 1500s, mythical dragons were, were thought to lurk around whatever was unknown or unexplored. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, who can be sure what lies under the bed or in the closet when the lights are turned off? Who can be sure? Unless dad comes back into the room, turns on the lights, looks under the bed, looks into the closet. Until then, here be dragons. John's revelation tells us the truth that we know about this world. That yes, here be dragons. Here be dragons. Spiritual forces that afflict us. Metaphorical forces that cause pain and suffering in life. We are saved by grace alone, yes, but that does not keep us from facing dragons. Just as we are taking a step forward in life and faith, well, something can spring out of the sea, can descend from the air and and threaten to ruin it all. We look at the maps of our lives, all of the areas that we've explored, the lessons we've learned, the amazing discoveries that we've made, but there are vast areas where we just don't know what lurks there. We don't know what comes and lies ahead. In Europe today, there are sabers rattling, rumors of war. We don't know what is to come. There could be dragons, a dragon of war, of violence, of economic turmoil. What can we do? We should pray without ceasing for peace, that the hell of war not be unleashed on the innocent and those who would be called to fight. There are other dragons of our time. Just last week, we we prayed for two precious children whose parents were killed in their own home. There be dragons in homes with violence. There are still places where people are persecuted and truly suffer because of their religious beliefs. There be dragons. A storm or a fire can wipe out an entire town in a matter of moments. There be dragons. 
There are those who battle mightily against the dragon of of substance use disorder. Terrorists fly planes into a building one sunny morning, there be dragons. Refugees are forced to flee their homes because there be dragons. Life is a precious gift, and boy, can things change fast. What we know for certain is only this present moment. This is what we have right now. Beyond, well, there be dragons. But here is the opposing truth of John's revelation. That God is always at work trying to birth new and beautiful life. Because John saw a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and on her head that crown of stars. And she was pregnant and she was giving birth. The Apostle Paul, he also said in order to give his own community of of faith uh, hope, he said, in creation itself, it will be set free from the bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only creation, but we ourselves. John sees this great hope in Revelation, a new life being born in us, among us. This new life is called the church. It is our commitment. This new life is our commitment to a new covenant, one of love, of community, of fellowship, of prayer, of of communion, of reconciliation, of salvation, new life in Christ. People give themselves to this commitment to Christ every day. We ourselves are invited to give ourselves to this new every morning to make new our commitment to Christ every day. And John saw that great red dragon ready to devour the child as soon as it was born. It can feel that way sometimes, that that just as we're taking that that one step forward into the new life, that, that then something happens, we take two steps back and dragon. In John's own time, the Christian church was being born was blossoming, but it would go on to face centuries more of oppression. He comforts his church by telling them the truth. He says, beloved, there be dragons. But John confirms something else. He says, but Michael and his angels fought against the dragons. The dragon and his angels, yes, they fought back, but they were defeated and there's no longer any place for them in heaven. That great dragon, it, it's going to be thrown down. That ancient serpent who's called the devil and, 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 and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he's thrown down. And his angels are thrown down with him. And you know, the story doesn't end there. The dragon continues to, to cause harm on earth because it's not over until it's over, beloved. And I want to be honest with you as John was honest with his church. In chapter 13, John has a word for us, and it's just just the truth. He says, here is a call for the endurance of faith of the saints. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. 
That's what it is, friends. It is a call for our endurance and our faith. What John is saying is he's saying, hang in there. Don't give up, saints. He doesn't give them a false hope as if just being faithful will keep them from harm, as if just being Christian is, is going to be a pathway to financial success and prosperity. Those are lies. They don't hold up. But nonetheless, endure, saints, for God and his angels are fighting for us. Be courageous. Remain faithful. Keep Loving even in the face of hatred, because John said, this is what else he saw. He said, and then I, I looked through it all. I looked and I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the pit and locked him and sealed it over him. Great is the mystery of this life and this faith. We simply do not know what lies around the next corner. We cannot see into the future, but we do know this. There be dragons. But more importantly, there also is God. And God wins. And love wins. There is no shadow where God is not present. No corner around which a dragon may be lurking that God is not also there. Don't give up the faith. Endure, saints. Keep living. Dragons may rage today, but they will be brought to heal we will face struggles and loss in this life, but God faces them with us. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.